Here's, here's the word of the Lord for you this morning, Word Church. I want to read to you. Will you just hold that for a minute so I can open my Bible? I want to read to you from Psalm 25 and verse 3. This is something that's so applicable to me in this season of my life this morning. But I got up this morning and I was meditating on the things of the Lord for the church today. And I really felt like the Spirit of God told me that this was a word for you as well. It says in verse 1 of Psalm 25, Lord, I lift up my soul. O oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, here's your word. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. So as you stand and wait, you know there are times that we are trusting God and the Bible says, my times are in his hands. And those that wait on the Lord renew their strength. And we're filled with courage as we wait. We strengthen ourselves as we wait on the Lord. But sometimes, you know, his timetable's not my timetable. And so I have to be found faithfully waiting and trusting on him like we were singing. I'm not moved by what I see, but I am hoping in my God. And Romans tells me hope does not disappoint. Now here we can have a human hope. We can have human yeah, expectations. Right. But when my trust is in the Lord, when I have the mind of the Lord in my situation, when I am seeking his way and standing in his path, it shall surely come to pass. So when I wait for him, he does not disappoint me. My hope shall be fulfilled as I wait on him. It shall come to pass. Trust in the Lord. Jesus committed himself to him who judges righteously, and he did not fail in any of the good promises that God had for him. So don't you waver in well-doing. Don't you be weary. Don't you diminish yourself or drop your hands or get tired of waiting on God, but rise up with great strength and courage and say, my God is at work on my behalf, perfecting those things that concern me. Those that trust in the Lord shall not be put to shame. This is a good day for you. God is moving mightily, That's and right. you are exceedingly, right. abundantly blessed above what you could ask or think. Amen? Amen. 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 Church was good. Let's go have lunch. <laughs> it is a, a great joy for us both to be here and yes. to, uh, to worship with you. Yeah. And to, as time progresses, these things are for all of us, to see how worship deepens and how your yeah. love for the Lord expands, how your love for each other reaches out and includes others and how it increases as well. It's a, it's a holy and it's a good thing. And we're very honored to be here. We were very honored to be part of Friday night and celebration in Loon Lake. And lots of good things happening all over the world. They're included that the planting of the Lord, even from there, shall spring up and go forth and go around the globe. It's a, it's a great day to be alive and it's a great day to be serving the Lord. I've, I've got a word for you too. And this is not my usual format to, at least I don't think it is, to, to minister like this. So I'm going to keep coming back to an idea. And the idea, the, the word for you, and I'm pausing right now on purpose is so you'll think and go say law, is simply the word increase. It's a, it's, it's 
a season of increase beginning just now for you individually and for you corporately as a body. You may take this for however it might apply to you personally, but it's primarily for the church. And it's, uh, it's a word that, that I feel like the Lord gave to me. It's, it's not anything I've ever said to anybody before in this context. I've never, I've never said it this way. So if that means anything to anyone, uh, it, what, it would, what it would say to me is that it is a word that probably will be contested somewhere, but it is, it is a word signaling a, an open door for your church, for your ministries, plural, for you as families, for you as individuals, for your finances, for your, for your relationships, for, for all the places in your life that God touches and all the places through your life that God touches. Isaiah 9-7 says, of the increase of their government, there shall be no end, end of peace. But notice it doesn't just say, of, of his government, there shall be no end. It says, of the increase of his government. So really, really what I want to drive home, if Jesus will help me do this and you can hear it, is not just the idea of bigger and better, but that part that God plays in actually increasing you himself. This is a season not just of increase, it's a season of God's increase in your life. Of God's increase. It's something he's going to do, and it implies, it implies, from a disinterested reader's point of view, it implies that on some level, he is satisfied with who you've been. So you might not have been perfect. You might not have been everything you could have been. You might not have been everything that you should have been. The only person I know that it qualifies for that, of course, is Gene. I know you did. I thought it was a good time for a giggle. They're laughing at you, Gene. Yeah. Yeah, because if you knew me, you'd know that my life is as flawed and frayed and filled with gaps and holes as yours is. They may be different places, but they're there. I guarantee you they're there, and no matter how I try and stitch them up, they don't stay stitched, or if I stitch them up here, it pulls apart on some other seam somewhere else. But in spite of me, in spite of who I am, there is a place where God does reward you according to the integrity of your heart not just according to your performance. Now, as a human being, you do settle down eventually and satisfy yourself that there are some things you'll just never get right perfectly or be able to keep them there. But suddenly, those things are capable of working themselves into your mind and convincing you that no matter how hard you try, life is really never going to be everything it could have been, everything that it should have been. But the truth is, is that God does not look like man looks. He does not look after the flesh, but he looks after the heart. And it is my sense today that irrespective of how the appearance of your life individually or corporately may seem, that he is is satisfied. And for his own seasons, his own purposes that go beyond the understanding of mortal man, He's saying to you, he's saying to Jonathan and to Miss Brownie and Miss Tia, 
He's saying to you as a church, he's saying to you as individuals, that it is a time of unsolicited, ungrasped for, unacknowledged, unanticipated increase. Like, what caused that to happen? What did we do that made that work like that? Nothing. You did absolutely nothing. There's another side to this, and probably in the course of the conversation, I may bring up more questions than I actually answer. So hang tightly to that, to that thought. I'll try to keep coming back and tie into it to myself because the truth is, is that it is a season of God-ordained increase. Look with me, if you would, in Colossians chapter 2. I don't think this will take over long. It's already, I've already slowed down more than what I thought I would, so forgive me for that. I, I just have some points to make, and then what I want to do is in, conclude this morning with a bit of prayer of some kind, maybe a bit of consecration. But in Colossians chapter 2, so I'm going to give you a lot of disjointed thoughts. I'm going to pick out phrases, and you'll have to say, well, what came before that? I don't know. It's just what he's saying right here. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2, verse 19 says, and not holding fast to the head, Colossians 2.19, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Now, there's, there's something in that last phrase I want you to see. It says, it grows with a growth which is from God. So what this verse says without, without hammering it home in a very elegant, subtle kind of a way is that there can be a growth that doesn't come from God. Sure. Or he wouldn't have had to say a growth that comes with a growth from God. He wouldn't have had, to, had that last phrase on there. So growth doesn't always look like you and I think it does. And growth, for that matter, isn't always God's endorsement that you've done anything right. You, you, you can tell the difference between a just growth, growth, and a growth that comes from God because it's right here in this verse. It says, joined to the head. So a growth that comes from God has got to be a growth that comes through a proper joining to the Lord himself. So probably if I was going to sum it up and say it right now, I would say that somewhere in all of this, there is a growth coming that is a growth coming from God that is not a growth of your own making. It is not a growth of your own creation. And it, it qualifies to be so because somewhere in there, your personal and your corporate relationships with the Lord have increased enough that he is able to increase you. Does that make sense? This is a good thing. This is a good thing. You're getting a gold star on your chart today. This is a good thing. Somewhere in there, you're, through your connection with him, no matter what you've seen about yourself that wasn't quite sufficient, he is, he is saying to you, there is a growth that is coming from me. So what's that growth look like? What, what areas are there? Look in Matthew chapter 25 with me. Growth will of necessity will require your, your application of your skills. We're going we're gonna to look at a couple of verses that we've looked at before in Matthew chapter 25 about talents. So if you grow, you're going to grow in the areas where he's already strengthened you, right? 
Now, here, here's a fundamental understanding of how your relationship with Christ works. It isn't all just about prayer, and it isn't all just about worship, it isn't all about coming to church. It's not all about church as a structure as we understand it. It's about church as, as who he is, an expression of him. And to each and every one of us, he's, he's given attributes, he's given abilities, he's given, he's given to everybody here, great or small, known or unknown, talents. Talents signified here by the expression of great wealth, but today they might be a different kind of talent. Whatever talents you've got, whatever talents you've got, whatever skills you've got are really intended to be used for the Lord. So if you can cook really well, you should find a way to cook really well for the Lord. You can start there. You've probably got talents that you don't know anything about. But if you can, if you can paint, you should paint for the Lord. If you can... You can, if you can just, whatever you can do, you should really start off by just doing it. If you can count, and I don't know anyone who can really, but if you can count, you should be an accountant for the Lord, a drummer for the Lord. You should be whatever you could be. You should use your skills and apply them for his glory. Because it says in this, in this parable in chapter 25, I think it starts off with verse 14, and it says the kingdom of God's like this. It's like, it's like a man, it's like a ruler who gave, who, who gave his talents to his servants. Who in, it gave, actually, it says it gave his talents. He entrusted his talents to his servants. So it goes on. You know the guy gets ten, and one guy gets five, and one guy gets one. We've read this before. I'm certain we've read this before, but I want to pick up on a thought down here into uh, verse number 28. This is, we're down to the guy with one talent. And the guy with one talent, of course, he hid it, which is like, mm. according to Jesus' measurement here, it's at least a third of the church because there's one out of three servants being discussed and one guy hid what he had. I suspect in some cases it's more like 75% of the church who have hidden those talents. And he says in verse 28, after he's told the guy he's really in seriously trouble, so take... Take the talent from him and give it to him. Now that's your phrase. Give it to him. We're talking about increase. And give it to him. He didn't have to earn it. He did deserve it, but he didn't have to earn it in the strictest sense of the word or everybody else wouldn't have been outraged. Give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That's a tricky verse, and I'm sure we've talked about this before at some point, but here, here, this will fit with exactly what happened, and here's, here's how you should read this verse. For to everyone who has profit, because the fellows with the profit got to keep it, and it goes on and concludes the parable and says, he who was worthless or he who didn't make any profit cast him into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. For to everyone who has profit will more capital be given. Because that's exactly what happened here. The guy that had 10 got somebody else's investment that he didn't use. So he said, this guy here didn't make any profit. I want my talents. I want my assets. I want my tools to make profit for my kingdom. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. It's supposed to increase. God's giving you increase. 
but it won't just come walking through the back door. You'll have to use what you've got to get it. So today, in part, will be a requirement for you and I to revive ourselves and say, we will use our talents for the profit of the kingdom, for the increase of the kingdom. We'll use the capital that he's invested in us to make profit. For to everyone who has profit will more capital be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not any profit, even what capital he has will be taken away. That's the only way that verse makes sense, because you can't have and not have at the same time. So he says, and cast the worthless or the profitless servant into the outer darkness, into that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not to get off the point, but sometimes, sometimes in church, sometimes in my life, there have been seasons where I've wept and gnashed my teeth. So if you think that just because you're a servant of the Lord, there's not any sorrow, the greatest way to avoid sorrow is to take what God has given you and use it for the increase of his kingdom to establish and build and expand the corporate Christ, to expand the kingdom of God. He is increasing you so you can make more profit for him. He is interested in profit. He is interested in the use of your skills, of your gifts, of your facilities, of your words, of your money, of your, of your grace, of your anointing to increase his kingdom. He always has been, he always will be. Now, there's no condemnation in this because I'm telling you, uh, it doesn't say how long it was before he came back because you can take 10 talents and run them down to five and then build them back up to 15 and bring them back down to 10. The point wasn't what did the capital chart look like? The point was what was it like in the last day? So you and I have not always used the assets the Lord gave us to his fullest advantage. I certainly haven't. There have been times I've probably just been on the verge of bankruptcy spiritually bankrupt, thinking I was doing my best, but really right down to the line. But that's not really what he's measuring. He's wanting to know what it's like when the day he comes back. So as long as he's not back, you and I got time to take what we've got and use it for the expansion of his kingdom, for the increase of his kingdom. So talents, what would those talents be? And these, these are going to apply to you. This applies specifically to the church. This is not an exhaustive list of your talents. These are the ones that came to me. These are the areas where you've obviously done well and where you're going to increase. Put Ephesians 2.8 up on the screen if you would. Is this making sense? Is it? Because it's not a start at point A and go to Z kind of a thought, is it? Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, that faith, that faith is the gift of God. That faith is the gift of God. One of the areas that you've proven yourself reliable in and are going to be increased in is an increased kind of faith. Now, John, I'm going to segue here a minute. I'm going to say something, and you'll get to find out if this is true or not. We're all fundamentally born and baptized in or through the word of faith. Maybe not all of you, but in fact all of you, because no matter where you came from and no matter what you think about the word of faith as a message, you can't get saved until you say you're saved. You have to believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't poke too many holes in the balloon of the word of faith if I were you because that's, that's, it's without faith it's impossible to please him. That's how you came in the kingdom of God. But in days gone by where human beings get involved, no matter how well-intentioned we all may have been, we still tend to kind of try to codify who God is. We still try to codify how God will work. If I do these five things, God will do that. And by, by instinct, God resists those five things. Because if you can codify who God is by the rules and the procedures, then he's no longer actually God. He's limited to your imagination of him. So you can't really work the seven steps for the purpose of working the seven steps and have the seven steps get you what you want. You can work the seven steps out of love and faith towards him and you'll get what you want, but it has nothing to do with you working the seven steps. I know it doesn't make sense, but he's a little bit smarter than all of us, right? So he's got this figured out. If I make myself predictable, then who becomes the God in this relationship? They use me for their benefits. So, years gone by, struggling through the dark, trying to find our way as we went, we may have been guilty of making rules that God didn't make and trying to explain him in ways that oversimplified who he was and what he wanted to be. This doesn't discount the fact that the word of faith is the way you get saved, and in fact, it's the way that you have to live. The word of faith prospered and succeeded in many portions of the world through the last half of the 20th century, but seems in many places to have collapsed upon itself and almost become a byword of exaggerated Christianity today. But it is still part of who God is and how he works. And John, it'll fall to you as a second or third generation of all of those who went ahead of you and believed. It's going to fall to you and those like you, those few like you, who through wisdom can understand where to apply it and when not to apply it. To understand that it does not sum up the total wisdom of God only one segment of who he is to bring a revival of that truth, not just to the places that you go and preach today, but bring a revival of that truth in purity and holiness and fullness to places that will begin to open up in hunger to understand who God is and how he works. So never discount your roots, never discount where you came from. Take it, make it better, refine it. Don't be afraid, none of you, be afraid or ashamed to say it was true, it just didn't answer every question. Here are the parts of the word of truth that answer these questions now. It's going to fall to you, John, to give great leadership in a renewed revival on the right day and the right season to the word of faith even in this country. And you know what? Let me tell you, just so you think I don't have any vested interest in this. I, I try to love the truth. One part of it's not any more important than another to me. I, I am not, nor have I ever been a typical company man. But the word of faith, the word of faith is part of the DNA of this body. 
and it will do nothing but expand the kingdom of God as you move forward in the future. So hang on, hold on, and watch what he does. Now, the phrase I want to key in on for you again is it is the gift of God. Those talents that were given in Matthew 25 were the gift of the rich young ruler, of the increase of his kingdom. He is giving gifts to increase you. So faith, faith is a talent that you've been given. It's an attribute that's been entrusted to this body of believers. Obviously, one that goes with it, a simple one, but one I'm supposed to remind you of is love. 1 Thessalonians 3, chapter 12. This is not me preaching to you. This is just me sharing some insights while we wait for the next verse to come up. We don't sit back here and point at me like that, buddy. I know you were. And may the Lord, here, here's this, what's important. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you. The part I want to emphasize is we think we have to do all the loving, but it says there that the Lord will cause you to increase and abound. There's something that he does in all of this now. And that last phrase down there, it's curious to me, where he says, just as we also do for you. Paul used that phrase over and over, and he said, do these things just like I do for you. It is incumbent upon some leader, somebody, a believer somewhere, to act like a Christian or to act like a church and to behave in an extraordinary fashion as a believer or as a church. If I were a Christian, how would this look? How would I say? What would I do in this circumstance right here? And just as I do for you is the key that causes the message you preach to expand and touch other people. So you're going to have a divine love, just like you have a supernatural baptism, if I can use that phrase, it's not the right application, of faith coming to you. You're going to find it easier to believe. There's a grace to believe. There's a grace to believe, to be, to believe rightly and truly. You're going to find a supernatural Holy Spirit-empowered gift of love rising up in your heart where people whom you may have resented or rejected in years gone by, in the name of Jesus, there's going to be the capacity for you to love people that you never loved before. It is, it is a gift because the Lord is causing the increase. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. I'll read this one. This is long. This is the, uh, I don't want to say it's more important than the rest, but it is, it is the summation of it all. Verse 10. One of your talents is faith. One of your talents, one of your attributes that we all should have is love. Your faith's going to increase. Your love's going to increase. But so is your seed and so is your harvest. These are the four talents I'm picking on today. Your faith, your love, your seed, your harvest. Can every believer participate in these attributes? Every believer's supposed to. 
but there is an increase of these things coming to you for the faithful way that you've used them. Let me say that again. There is an increase in these things coming to you for the faithful way that you have used them. You're sitting there thinking, we haven't been all that faithful. Apparently, you've been faithful enough for God's purposes in times and seasons because there's a new season opening up where great opportunities of faith will be there, and you'll find it easy to believe. You won't be worn out and distressed and broken down. There will be opportunities to love, and it will be the most natural thing in the world because you'll tap into the Holy One that lives on the inside of you. Even, even He and the love He brings are a gift from God to you. And you're going to find seed coming into your hands. Oh, Jesus, we spend most of our life looking for seed and for food to eat. So it'll take a revelation on all of our parts not to eat all of our seed and not to think that all the seed that comes to us is for our own personal consumption. But it says in verse 10, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply or who will increase and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, here's, here's the point to it. He's going to bring seed into your church as a church. So that seed might go to the Philippines. That seed might go around the world. That seed might, that seed might set up conferences around the globe. That, seed, that seed's going to do more than have to pay for the yearly God bless you for doing it National Ministers Conference because that yearly National Ministers Conference is doing a wonderful thing in the land that you all have credit for and I know you right now do far more than that but you're going to have enough seed come into your hands for the church and for you individually because it almost certainly has to come through you so you have to be holy receptacles to receive the seed of God to pass it on. That seed's going to come into your hands and it's going to be able to be not just increased in a steady increase, but like exponentially. It's going to be multiplied. It's going to be multiplied. It's going to be multiplied. You're going to see it. You're going to experience it. Now you can say, you haven't said anything that doesn't apply to every Christian on the planet. I know that. I, I know that completely. I, I'm, I, I'm not making anything up. This could apply to everybody. This does apply to everyone, but not everyone walks in it. Now, I'm not saying to you, you need to really make an effort to walk in this, though you do. What I'm saying is that somehow, he who controls times and seasons is saying to me to say to you that this is a season of multiplication for you. And it is a season of multiplication that he himself is originating. This is not going to be about you being a better giver, a better prayer warrior, a better worshiper tomorrow. Please be those things. This is about him bringing unexpected seed into your hand. Unexpected opportunities. Unexpected opportunities. He says... He'll give you seed to sow. You want to say something? I'm, I'm hearing in my spirit, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And stand still. It's not something that they have to work up. It's just a matter of watching God's supernatural work. Did you hear that? Amen. You just have to watch. Amen. For a few times in your life, you just get to watch. 
which very few times in my life I get to watch. Supply seed to the sower and bread for your food will supply, so he's going to bring seed, and multiply your seed for sowing. And in the sowing of your multiplied seed, increase the harvest or increase the fruit of your righteousness. This will be equated into the kingdom being enlarged and souls being saved. Men and women rushing to the altar to be filled with the Spirit. Miraculous healings that you yourself won't be able to believe happened when you look at it. You think that doesn't work? That works. That works. That works. I got a friend one time who was praying for a blind woman. Her eyes were all glazed over in the back of her head. You couldn't even see her eyeballs. He prayed for her, and her eyes went, popped around to the front, opened up and cleared. She could see him standing there saying the whole time, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. There's things we do by our own faith. There's things that God does because he's God. I, I don't know what he said to my friend about this, but I know, I know what he could have said. What he could have said was, he said, I just don't want you to think I have to do according to what you believe. I, am, I do exist outside your imagination of me. I'm, I'm stronger than you think I am. I'm better than your good words imply about me. There's more to me than you understand. And if you were just humble and meek, you'd say, well, just God's just God, and I'm not. That's okay. Because he can do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you ask, think, or hope for. So cut yourself some slack. You don't have to believe, ask, and think for everything that he can give you. You've got to do your part as you know it, but he's going to give you more than what you can believe for, what you can ask, what you can think. He's going to do a great work in your church. He's going to do a great work in your church, in your lives. Please, please do what you have to to be worthy of it. And increase the harvest of your righteousness. It's going to be an increase. Anything that you can imagine increase in, particularly, start with the increase that's eternal increase and work backwards from there. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality. This is a word for you, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God because that's the point. The point, the point isn't the people getting saved, getting healed, or getting delivered. That's a milestone on the road. The road concludes at the place where the whole world is offering up a sacrifice of praise and confessing thanks to God for who he is and what he's done. That's why God does good things, so he can be acknowledged and honored for who he is. Verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, that's a big deal, that's a great and noble thing, but it's also, this is as important or maybe more so, also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. You get in a jam, don't know what to do? Quit asking, start shouting praise and thanksgiving to God and stay with it till you got peace in your heart. It's more than just a song service on Sunday morning. Because of the proof given by this ministry, you met their needs, they will glorify God for your obedience 
to your confession of what it means to be a Christian, for your confession of what it means to be a word of faith gospel preacher, for the gospel of Christ, and for the liberality, the open-handedness, the moving towards of your contribution through your words, through your money, through your faith, through your love to them. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. They say, man, them people, those are real Christians there. If I was going to be a Christian, I'm going to be like those people in Lloydminster because they, they seem to me like they're sincere Christians. This is not a game. This is not their duty. They, they, they mean this. They're, they're like little Christers. Little Christers. They used it as a derogatory term in centuries gone by. But that is the point. I heard a preacher say one time when I was a baby Christian, Jesus is not trying to produce a bunch of baby Christ. That is not true. That is exactly what he's doing. That is exactly what he's doing so they can be one big full man Christ. Next verse. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God. For his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What's his indescribable gift here? Is it the provision that they've met? Nope. That's describable. What's indescribable is what he'd be like if the whole world rose up as one man, proclaiming thanks and glory and praise and power and blessing and laudation and support and hope and joy to God. Authority, wealth, riches, dominion. That's the point. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. We're going to read 6 and 7. David planted... Brownie watered, but God was causing the growth. Tracy planted, David watered, God was causing the growth. Brownie planted, planted, Jonathan watered, God was causing the growth. It doesn't matter what you see in that verse and who you think is being talked about there, as long as you see that last clause in the verse, God was causing the growth. In spite of you, because of you, separate from you, linked to you, God causes growth. Verse 7. So then neither David or Tracy, David or Brownie, Jonathan or Tia, Jean or David, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. God who causes the growth. You serve a growth-causing God who has said that of the increase of the growth of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Who has said, I've given you all something to profit me, to profit my kingdom, who said, 
the talents that you possess more than that I guess that you've probably used them to better ability our faith and love and seed sowing and harvesting is saying I'm causing a spirit to come upon you that will still require your faith and love but that will super abundantly increase your faith and love that will cause, I'm causing myself to cause seed to come to you that can be multiplied for the increased harvest around the globe in this city. I see in my heart these things, these things I don't say lightly, these things, these things are not normally some, some context I would consider. But I see your church doubled. I see your church tripled. I see your church having to face a question that's long since forgotten. What would it do if this building did not work? I see men and women coming alongside and breaking out from the leadership model that you've had, as wonderful as it is, to new giftings and new anointings being presented and new methods having to be felt after and discovered. For, God want, for what God wants to do and how he wants to do it because the infrastructure does not exist in its present context. I see that it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing whatsoever to do with you. It has nothing to do with you that would invoke any pride or any self-confidence. In some regards, as it would be for any of us, it is a bit in spite of us. Not just because of it. It is because of his purpose, his plan. I see him saying, now is the time for all good men to rally around my cause. I hear him saying, now is the time for those who feel like their opportunities have missed them and slipped them by and they have no part to play in my kingdom. Now is the time for them to realize it is a new tide of enlistment and that they can once again rise up and apply themselves and receive grace and receive ability and receive provisioning and receive opportunity to move ahead and build my kingdom with me, build my kingdom for me. I see it's a time where if any of us had the courage to not judge our future by our past, if any of us had the mental acumen to not insist we remain the same soul with the same limited judgments, the same fears, the same oppressions, the same, the same words spoken to us all of our life that hemmed us in and hindered us. Him saying, you can be who you want to be. You can be whom you look at me and see, beholding as in a glass the image of the Lord. You can see that part of me that attracts you. You can be that. I see it as a day where he's saying, for those of us who would stir ourselves up and purpose to be all we could be for the Lord Jesus Christ, I see a divine empowerment coming that lifts us above the mire, that lifts us above the failures, that lifts us above the past, that lifts us above our own judgment of inadequacy and inability and says, 
come up higher. Come up higher and see what I can see from my position. Let us no longer judge by what's clear and true to you. You need a different point of view. Come stand with me and see what I see. After all, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. No matter what you thought was going on. No matter what, no matter how you thought it was working. No matter who you thought the initiator of the relationship was, this wasn't really about your steps, this was about mine. The fact that you had to convince yourself it was you, it's just what you needed to do for you. I chose you. I chose you. It's a day of increase. Jean, do you have anything you want to say? I'm just thinking about the initial exhortation. He who trusts in the Lord shall not be put to shame. There you go. So we have a whole, a whole direction that God and the word that God is setting before us today. Why don't you stand up and read that again? Okay. Um, good way to start and good way to finish. Psalm 25, verse 3. Indeed, he who trusts in the Lord shall not be put to shame. So you see that sense of shame that we can carry from past failures and expectations that we have, that we said we were trusting God and we haven't seen them, but God is saying, just wait, just wait. The my times, my times are in your hand. My time, your times, sorry, I'll get this out right. Your times are in my hands. And I'm saying by the Spirit of God this morning that we are hearing the Spirit of God saying that this is his time. This is his time for the word church. This is his time for you individually, for increase to come into your life in a supernaturally unprecedented, unexpected way. All we have to do is stay. Stand still and see the salvation of God. The only thing that we ever have to do when God speaks is to believe he's speaking. That's my job. That's your job, to believe that God is speaking to me. It's the evil heart of unbelief that causes us to remove ourselves from God and not stand in his paths. But today God is saying, this is the day. This is the hour. This is the time for you to stand and see and wait on me and watch what I'll do for you. Amen. 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 That many thanksgivings may abound to God. It is God who gives the increase. We spend much of our life trying to work a formula, trying to do right, trying to be right. And God is saying that he is bigger than our performance. We love him and we keep his commandments. Amen. There is a performance to that. He's bigger than your capacity He's bigger. to understand That's right. He's bigger than our, than our flaws and our failures. His heart is to us. His love is to us. 
And he is saying, here, here, by the Spirit of God, Esu madra geste de bostavre, estendri istibra que esutsete, it's savra masese trebistem vendo, it's mocre que sila ingendri kisto, savrase elite in bostucure, ma andri inense ecutu vee. Thank you, Jesus. You, you got your mic. Yeah. Did you read that verse? I, I opened my Bible and I think I quoted it. Okay. The Lord would say, Jesus. it is a new thing, it's not a new thing. For all that's been done to this very moment, from Pastor David, from Pastor Browning, the 80s, all the things that you survived, all the things that you handled and did, all the changes, the exits, the entrances, the people who came and went, all the expressions of your faith, all the attempts, all the disappointment, all the joys, the strengths, and even the sorrows have all brought you down the pathway to this moment. And while it is true, it is a new day and all things will begin to change, it is not to say that what was before was not good and right and true. It is now required of you to rise up and say, just as I did in years gone by and months gone by and days gone by, I'm here to serve the Lord and I'm here to do my part. And I just remind myself once again, fresh and anew, of who he is and my role to him. I will serve him, I will work, I will yield my heart and I will yield my life. I will follow his voice even into the darkness of night. And he says that all of these things will come to pass in your lifetime, in your season, the increase of fruitfulness, the increase of harvest, a great love, and the joy that accompanies it yeah. will be seen by visitors who come amongst your midst. They will see the affection, the love, the true Christian love, and know that God is in you of the truth. So rise up when the moment is right. Rise up as one voice and declare what is right. Rise up and stand in the truth of God's living word and watch and see if he does not bring to pass all that you have heard. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you as a group. You can do what you want there, here. I'm going to pray for you as a group. And everything I've done this morning, everything I've said, everything, everything that's been said has led us to this point. I'm going to ask the praise and worship team to... Uh, Come back. Jonathan, I don't know if you need to, but uh, I don't know that there's any reason why you shouldn't, so follow your, what your own heart says. Girls, come on up here with me, if you would, and I'll pray for you while you're up here, too. And boys. And boys. And men. And accountants and drummers and all those things. I'll just give you a minute to get your stuff ready. I like the song about you are good.
I believe that. I believe that. Don't play it yet. No, no, no. No, no, no. Just get ready. Just get ready and get your stuff going so you can listen to me. Okay, just for a minute, pay attention. Pay close attention. Play all the attention you can. As one who stands in front of you, Lord, and listens to your voice as clearly as I can hear, as clearly as I understand, I now speak your word. I now declare in the name of Jesus that shackles fall off, that blind eyes are opened and that they see, that hearts are revived and that creaky hinged doors that have been locked and slammed shut now smash themselves open to grant the full free rush of your spirit to move in, to refresh, to revitalize, and to renew. I declare, I declare in the name of the Lord Jesus that the talents that you've entrusted this body of believers with will again rise up and bear fruit. I declare that their faith grows exceedingly, that their love abounds even more and more. I say that you cause their love and their faith to bear fruit and to work. I say in the name of Jesus that harvest and seeds to sow attached to it come into their lives. I speak increase to their homes, to their marriages, to their lives. I speak increase to this ministry and to this church. I say it breaks out on the left and on the right, that it goes forth to establish, to go forth to achieve, all that you've called it to achieve and that it does not stumble or falter but arrives at the right place at the right moment. I speak release. I speak confidence. I speak boldness. I speak fullness. And your word for this day is that you cause us to increase with the increase that comes from you. So, Father, seal their hearts, seal their minds, seal their lives with the growth that comes from you a growth that grows from God himself to their connection to you. I bless them. I send them on their way speedily and freely to achieve your plan in Jesus' name. I invoke the name of Jesus over their lives. Amen. Amen. Amen.